Hello and welcome to Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Jamie and oh, you can't imagine the unspeakable things I've suffered. The horror I doubt I'll ever really recover. And my name is Matt. Train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. Uh, you went funny. Yeah, I um, I was going to attempt the voice, but it would just sound really, really bad. So, Or you would have accidentally discovered a second career. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's just do the stuff up top real quick. Um, so today we're going to continue our coverage of the Clone Wars movie, which um, is the third sort of episode, if you count it as one episode, in our Clone Wars coverage. It originally aired on November 11, 2008. We're going to get to the second half, or the last third of the plot summary. We covered the first two-thirds, or first half, um, in our last episode. So go look for that if you haven't heard it. Um, before we do that, I thought uh, we could just do what we always do and talk about if we did any Star Wars this week. Jamie, did you do any Star Wars? Um, no, other than watch, just watching uh, Clone Wars. Um, like, watched this again. Um, I haven't done a whole lot. Um, I've been. Um, I want to buy. I'm behind on the comics. I was going to buy a bunch of them, um, but uh, I just haven't gotten around to it. So it's been kind of a lazy Star Wars uh, week for me. Yeah, I haven't done much. I've been. I've. St- I've gotten about a third of the way through the Essential Legends Kenobi book because um, I'm prepping for Obi Wan Kenobi. What's 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 Essential Legends? Um, it's a meaningless title, but basically the they're re-releasing books that were made between in sort of the EU period. Um, so prior to the Disney buyout, they've made they've marked like twenty books or twenty-ish novels, something between ten and twenty, and they've labeled them as essential legends, which sort of implies that they're using them um, for some reason or drawing attention to them again, and things like Rogue Squadron trilogy are in there, Darth Plagueis, Kenobi, um, the Darth Bane um, books, Heir to the Empire. I don't know if there's rhyme or reason or if it's just a money grab. Um, but they show up on Audible. Like They they record the audiobooks and release them with the same production values. And I figure if there is something there, it's, it's easy enough to download the book and listen to Kenobi for the next couple of weeks to have some material to lead into the show coming, even if it's not connected at, at all. But basically, it's it's just a marketing label. Yeah, I've, not, I've noticed that there's like more Star Wars books on there, but it's like, oh, I haven't heard any of these. But So I don't know if it's... Unless they specifically say Legends. On it. Some of them do, like on the cover, but some of them, you kind of have... It seems like you have to look a little bit and realize, oh, this isn't this isn't a new book. This is something's just re-releasing or Audible's just telling me that, hey, you should read this. Yeah, they should all have a... All of the Essentials Legends have like a little gold banner on the top that say Legends or Essential Legends. But, um... I don't know. It's something to do. And I skipped most of the EU novels when they were fresh. I'm just busy doing other things, not Star Wars. And so, um, it's fun to go back now and listen to them. The Rogue Squadron first book was pretty good. Um, so I'll definitely continue on that. And this one's okay so far. Waiting, Sort of waiting for the plot to emerge. But, you know, that first third of the book, they're just setting the stage. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, when, uh, there's no, when there's no canon Star Wars books, I tend to I'll, um, drift to other um, kind of like um, sagas. Um ones that are like specifically for like on like audible or I've been considering uh, trying the wheel of, wheel of time but I don't know if I can be, 
I'll probably be able to keep uh, everything straight. Um, uh, a mutual friend of ours has read all the books, and I was telling me I was thinking, I was telling him that I was thinking about doing that, and he's just like, "There's like a thousand characters. It's hard to keep track of what's going on." So I don't know. I might start that up, but because uh, it's uh, you get a lot of uh, you get a lot of book for your for your uh, Audible credit. Yeah, that's the old that's the old trick I did when I was at NCI. I would sort books by length. I'm like, oh, this one's 48 hours. And it's uh, someone reading a 7,000-page history of the downfall of Rome. All right. Those keep me busy. Um, but other than that, I haven't done much Star Wars this week. I've been looking at, thinking about buying all of the short stories for the High Republic. Um, I know they're collecting them in a big book uh, or like a little book, but uh, I don't know when that comes out. You can get them relatively cheap. They're buried in Star Wars Insiders, and you can find those pretty cheap online. Um, But I haven't done that yet. And then my kids did get, I don't know if I said this last time or not, but they did get me that Mandalorian Art of book for my birthday. So I've got... Art of Mandalorian Season 2 on the shelf now. And my prediction that I'm going to end up with 70 of these books is coming true. <laughs> They're making an art of High Republic Phase 1, an art of Star Wars Visions, an art of Book of Boba Fett. There's going to be a thousand of them. Yeah, well, maybe uh, your family will give you a Viking funeral uh, when you die just and just um, put you on a boat with all your Star Wars books. Just burn it, and then, and then you can uh, you can have those books in the afterlife. That is that is how the afterlife works. <laughs> they, they might not let you into uh, Valhalla though, because like like hey guys, I got all these Star Wars books. Like, did you die in battle? No, <laughs> but I got these Star Wars books. Get out. So the other the other piece of programming news is because the time changed, we are now further apart in time. Because Arizona sensibly does not recognize changing time zones or changing clocks. And so instead, Arizona changes time zones um, twice a year. Uh, so it's a little bit late here, later here. So do you want to get started? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So before we finish up the the plot summary, um, so I didn't highlight any of the actors because we were trying to get through the plot. So this time I wanted to highlight a couple. Um First, we can talk about Ashley Eckstein, who plays Ahsoka in everything where Rosaria Dawson is not playing Ahsoka. <laughs> uh, and this includes Rise of Skywalker. She's the voice of Ahsoka in all animation. Um, so that's Clone Wars, Rebels, spoiler alert, she's in Rebels, and in um, uh, Forces of Destiny. And then she has the cameo appearance at the end of Rise of Skywalker as a voiceover. Mm-hmm. She's also been on She-Ra, Princess of Power, but her start comes from uh, the Disney show That's So Raven, where she plays a character called Muffy, and that's what she was known for. Huh. I don't know the show, but research I, on Ashley leads back to Muffy. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I know the name, but uh, it was not... Uh, I think I was old enough to definitely not be watching that. You know, yes. I... <laughs> I, you know, I watched the original She-Ra when I was a kid because I was just a cartoon junkie. But uh, now I would have had no no excuse when That's So Raven came out. Yeah, I think we were well in college. A <laughs> um, couple other actors. Uh, Corey Burton uh, has a long history with Star Wars. Um, and he plays the voice of Zero the Hutt in this movie. But he had his first Star Wars credit in 1979... When he voiced Luke in the read-along books. I don't know if you ever had any of these. We had a bunch. Yeah. They had the 33 RPM record in the back. You put it on like a record player and could read along to the narration. So he was one of the actors on on the adaptation of Star Wars um, in that. But he voices a ton of people. This guy is one of these people that has just been working for 40 years and has a thousand credits. But he was Cad Bane and Dooku in several episodes and the voice of Cad Bane 
in the live action version in Book of Boba Fett. So that's sort of cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I don't know if we talked about him when we did Bad Batch, but he played Gobi. Um, I couldn't remember if we had talked about him already or not. It didn't sound familiar based on all of his other stuff. But he's been, like I said, he's been in everything. So he's been in movies like Atlantis, the cartoon movie Atlantis. He's been in TV shows like DuckTales and Chippendales. Yeah. Woo! <laughs> and uh, he was the voice of Ralph in The Flight of the Navigator, which was the automated food delivery robot in the NASA compound that the kid uses to escape. Man, I haven't seen that movie in so long. We did, but we watched it on Family Movie Night a, a couple months ago. It's pretty cool. Holds up. Okay. If you ignore the Pee Wee Herman stuff. <laughs> I will not. <laughs> you will not. The last last person I want to talk about today was a guy named David Accord, uh, and he plays the baby Rhoda the Hut, which actually doesn't have a speaking part, but makes little grunts and coos. Um, he's credited. If you look at his credits on IMDb. All of his acting credits, almost all of them, are for Star Wars things. And they're always for, like, Star Wars droids and, like, animals. Not really a speaking part that makes, like, chirps and coos mm-hmm. and beeps. But if you, look at, if you look at his total credits, most of his work is as a sound designer. And he's worked on everything. Um, I just put a couple things in the notes. He worked on Thor movies, Guardians of the Galaxy. He was a sound editor on Fanboys. <laughs> he was a sound designer for Men in Black. And if you keep going back in time on his credits, he worked as a sound designer on Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas with uh, Johnny Depp. Wow. Yeah, this guy is another one of these people that's just been working for 30 years. Mm-hmm. So really, really impressive. Um, I want to... I want to sort of hold our feelings about the movie to the end, but I do think it's important to sort of talk about how the movie was received in night in 2008 when this was um, out. And uh, while we'll talk about our personal feelings in a little bit, uh, this movie was hated when it came out. Um, there was, I've been doing a lot of research on the news and things about of the time about how, editorials were written about this and movie reviews were written about this and it was a lot of people saying if the prequels the prequels um are getting worse right so this like an introduction of like a sassy little girl sidekick is pandering um people were predicting that anakin would have to kill ahsoka to to not break the continuity of revenge of the sith um all sorts of dark stuff swirling around uh, the internet back in 2008 and 2009 about this movie. Uh, this movie uh, barely made money. Um, it grossed about $68 million worldwide. Um, it wasn't on very many screens, several thousand, um, but it only made $6 million on its opening day in the United States, and that is sad for a Star Wars property. Um, it's sad for any movie. Yeah, I know. I, I didn't. I didn't go see it. Neither did I. Because I was just like, like I was just. I've mentioned this before. I was certainly like, no, I was a total hater on it. Like I would not. I, I was too good, to. Uh, as a high class Star Wars nerd, that I'm too good to watch something like this. And how, how could they sully, sully my beloved Star Wars with something like this? Yep, and we were wrong. Um, but that's okay. I still defend I still defend this movie for what it is um, to this day, but we'll get to our personal feelings about it in a little bit. This thing hovers below a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. People put any stock in that website anymore. I do not. But people really hated this movie, and that dislike of it perpetuates today. Mm-hmm. Talk about, a little bit about what people didn't like about it, other than little girl Ahsoka, which was a big part of it. And there's a couple other things that people found problematic and would probably make it harder to make this movie today. Um, but overall, like that's where it is. And so we're no strangers to star Wars. People think sucks on this show. Mm-hmm. Oh, we yeah. did a bunch. We've did a, a bunch of bad star Wars. And so we should probably finish it out and, 
complete the plot for the movie, at least in the back half. You want to take it away? Okay. So uh, where we had left off, uh, Soka and Anakin had boarded the Twilight and they escaped um, from, is it Teth? Teth, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in hyperspace, Ahsoka finds a holographic medical droid and asks him for help with the hutlet. I thought this was pretty cool because this is kind of like a uh, uh, like a reference to the uh, the doctor from Voyager. Initiate emergency medical holographic program. Please state the nature of the medical emergency. <laughs> wow, you were ready for that. I had, I had it on cue. Yeah, yeah. I loved in Star uh, Star Trek First Contact where uh, Doctor Crusher is just like God. I told myself I would never use this. But she has to use it to escape the Borg. So she's able to get some medicine for the hut, and um, the fever eventually breaks. Ahsoka thinks that he's going to make it, and they begin to repair the ship. Ahsoka says something about how Anakin is from Tatooine, so this will be like going home for him. Anakin is uh, definitely not happy with that thought. Now, back to Ventress, uh, she tells Dooku in a hologram that Skywalker killed Jabba's son in front of Jabba. Jabba is furious. Ventress goes on to tell Dooku that Skywalker is headed towards Tatooine. Jabba asks why the Jedi is coming to Tatooine. Dooku says that Skywalker is coming out to wipe the Hut clan. Dooku vows to deal with the Skywalker again. Again, this is kind of back to what we're talking about. It's like this is just this is a little bit unbelievable that a a, a, a gangster who's risen to the level of Jabba the Hut would just kind of fall for this kind of crap. But it moves the plot, so we just let it go. There's zero credulity from Jabba in any of these moments. It's like, but yeah, it's 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 a a plot device, so we'll just let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Anakin's definitely not happy about returning to Tatooine. He tells R2 to get the cannon fixed and not to worry about the shields. Then, uh, tempting fate, they're immediately attacked by droids. Anakin rushes to land the ship. Anakin and Ahsoka argue while R2 tries to unlock the blasters. Now, something I noticed is that they're stuck in the forward position. I had never heard this term. Because um, it had been such a long time since I'd seen this movie that all I could think of was like, stuck in the forward position. What would I think of that? I think of The Force Awakens. Yeah, good call. I didn't put that together. That's what they say about the Falcons blasters, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, in fact, there, there's like a, I can't think of it, but there, I think the, um, like Dooku's and Ventress's dialogue, uh, it like pretty much like almost like mirrors that of um, in like another Star Wars movie. I wish I I was gonna write it down and then I didn't. So, but once again, that they're just using. Um, they're pretty much using the exact same sort of like speech patterns from like other uh, canon material, just changing it up slightly in the situation. Yeah, in the case of the Force Awakens, the Force Awakens is quoting this movie, or mm-hmm. un- unintentionally possibly, but they're definitely quoting this movie. Yeah. Yeah, because like I think it was like Dooku says like "So will it be with you" or something like that, and so Anakin is able to shoot. Um, down one of them while Ahsoka uh, secures the baby hut. R2 returns the cannons and Anakin is able to shoot down the other fighter. The ship is damaged and they're going down. Anakin contacts Obi-Wan and briefs him that they're about to crash, but Obi-Wan can't come to help. They crash in the desert. I really like this. I really like this scene. I think one of the things that this series does very well is sort of that atmosphere reentry mm-hmm. stuff. There's several instances throughout the series where a ship um, hits the atmosphere and you get that nice burn. Um, that burn when, they, when they're when they hitting the friction of the air. Um, I really, really like this shot. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. And when they crash, there's like Jawas everywhere. It's really fun. It's like they're like rats. So you you got you got um, you called Anakin a racist for saying he he hates huts, but you're calling Jabba's rats real nice. Pretty racist song. <laughs> racist against who? So, anyways, Dooku uh, takes credit for shooting down Anakin. 
Jabba says he will confirm that Skywalker is dead, but uh, Dooku goes out to meet Skywalker. Obi-Wan report, and this is one of those things like, oh no, it's all quite alright. It's kind of like from the previous episode where, the, where Slick wants uh, some time alone uh, to get the story straight. So Dooku's going out to make sure that Jabba doesn't learn the truth. Obi-Wan reports to Yoda and Palpatine that Anakin is on Tatooine, but he's hunted by Dooku. Back on Coruscant, Padme comes to speak with Palpatine. Yoda leaves, and Palpatine tells Padme about the secret treaty with the Huts and how the Huts believe Anakin has kidnapped Jabba's son. Padme is shocked and volunteers to meet the Huts to explain. Padme says that she will go to see Jabba's uncle on Coruscant. Now, I just... Um, just... I don't know, maybe it's just the writing, or just... Maybe it's just Padme in general, but just like... Just like the... Just they, oh, a Jedi would never do that. I, I don't know. I didn't particularly care for that, but she has to be. Uh, I'm, she's sleeping with a Jedi, so she knows what they're all about. Yeah, I'm curious. I don't know what Palpatine knows at this point, but he seems very eager to get Padme involved. Hmm. Yeah, he's got to know that he, uh, Anakin's at least sweet on her. And, and he's very there's there's going to be multiple plots even in the next in the next sort of arc um, where Palpatine puts Padme in crazy amounts of danger. I don't know if he's still trying to assassinate her or what, but um, this is another instance where he's like he's like oh please don't go no don't go yeah that um <laughs> insert that um, um Charlie and Chocolate Factory uh, quote like oh please no stop stop don't come back. Will do. <laughs> All right. So back on uh, Tatooine, Anakin and Ahsoka have to walk through the Dune Sea to get to the palace. Anakin thinks that they can make the palace by morning, and the uh, Jawas move in to strip the ship. And back on Coruscant, Padme arrives at Zero the Hutt's nightclub. Now I want to just talk about the outside of this. Like this is like a, this is like kind of like parts of Coruscant you, we see every now and then, but it's just like. Um, I don't know. I really like the design of it. It's just like this because Coruscant is just like a, it's just a huge city planet. It's just like buildings on top of buildings on top of buildings until it's nothing but one big city. Um, and just how it's just like it's got the big like neon like design and stuff outside, and you just um, and you pull up you know in a speeder and get out. I thought this was very cool, and just seeing like other like like things that'd be like advertisements or something, kind of like what you would see in like Times Square. Yeah, it's a very cool way to convey like the function of the building on a relatively uninteresting landscape. It's mm-hmm. very colorful, and it does have this nice little I don't know what you call it, like a driveway almost. Yeah, like right out in front. And it, it, you can see how it's functional and achieves its purpose. Yeah. All right, so she arrives at the nightclub where a Bith band is jizz wailing. Nice. <laughs> no, that's supposed to be jazz wailing, right? No, jizz is the name of the, <laughs> the name of the musical style. This is well established. Oh. Uh, it's not jazz, it's jizz. I can't believe we don't know this. <laughs> I just... It's, it, there's just... There's this voluminous jizz in the... Uh, in the... Uh, in, in the bar. It's everywhere. You can't get yeah, rid of it. This bar is full of jizz. I don't know what the problem is. You seem to be very upset about this. Uh, no, I'm, I, I'm actually quite excited. <laughs> I'm dropping something in the chat. <laughs> the link to a website where you can watch Jizz Whaling for free. Uh, <laughs> Pornhub.com. Okay. <laughs> All right. Here's a, here's a uh, compilation of uh, Jizz Whaling. <laughs> a, a pass. Wait, wait, wait to my, wait to the uh, family's asleep. Okay, so um, there's an IG, IG droid reporting to Zero that he's failed. 
uh, uh, Zero orders the droid destroyed. The Bith Pan gets back to the music. Uh, Padme in the notes. <laughs> Padme goes up to Zero and introduces herself. Padme explains the kidnapping plot and asks if he can sign a treaty. Zero says it was the Jedi who kidnapped Jabba's son. Padme and Zero argue. Zero throws her out. Can we talk about Zero? Yeah. So here's Zero the Hut. I love huts. I think huts are one of the coolest concepts for an alien. When I was a kid, Return of the Jedi was my favorite movie because of uh, Ewoks and the Hut, uh, Jabba the Hut. I love Zero's design and his execution. I think it's crazy. I think it's crazy risky to make a Zero the Hut um, when your only other touch point for a hut up until this point is Jabba and Gardula. And Gardula mm-hmm. is a background character. You don't have a lot of exposure to huts. And now you're like, here's one that's like dyed himself purple and sounds like Truman Capote. Yeah, he's got like fluorescent... I don't know if it's paint or tattoos. And then he's like wears like feathers in his on his head. And very... Um, Flamboyant, I guess. Yeah, flamboyant is good. Like it's it's very, yeah, it's very like provocative. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's like meant to get attention, and everything about it, like he's supposed to be this nightclub owner, so it it fits with this character. Um, and we're gonna get a little bit more zero later in the series, and a lot more weird huts. Yeah. Um, but we're not gonna talk about those today. Uh, but I. The introduction of Zero here, I think, is wonderful for the series and for um, Huts in general. And I know Zero is a hot and cold character. People hate this Hut. Um, I don't like Huts are supposed to sort of not have defined genders, although they sort of walked that back a little bit. But they're supposed to basically be asexual. Um, creatures, but there's definitely like like droids. There's male types and female types. There's definitely ones that sort of model themselves more female and sort of model themselves more male. And this is this would be something in in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I had read that um, that they that he was actually a favorite of the creators, so that's why they kept bringing him back. Yeah, I'm glad because he he has a lot of story to tell, mm-hmm. and I think we get a lot of great zero later um, in the series, and I really can't wait. But I think this introduction's perfect. It's really crazy how into huts you are. That's that'll be the last thing that I would have expected anybody to be really be into. But hey, but it's such a it's such a good like this is it's just one of those things. I don't know if you're trying to make a joke about it, but hey, I don't kink uh, shame. Well, you sort of do. Um, <laughs> the the huts star wars always has like a more diverse view of aliens than the other popular science fiction show that people often compare it to i mean star trek yeah star trek where they just put some shit on your face and you're like oh you're a different alien now yeah um star wars will have like armies of insect drones and i know there's insect drones in star trek but I don't think anyone can effectively argue that the biological diversity of aliens in Star Wars is less than Star Trek. And huts are one of these things where it's like, yeah, why wouldn't this work? Like yeah. You could you can look at a hut and say, that would absolutely evolve under the right conditions. Um, and that's what I love about it. Like, You don't have to be... Like, just have forehead ridges and be like be like yeah you're super strong yeah new alien next yeah nose oh. ridges and you're super good at art next you have spots yeah. next yeah you got pointy ears you can read minds but i the one thing i do like about the huts is and i'll say this and we'll get back to it is that um like in the the comics they've they're not portrayed well they're portrayed they're definitely portrayed as slugs but you have like super like muscular 
huts. They're not just all like like Jabba, where they're just like just so fat and decadent. There's this like there are some like in uh, one point uh, they're in a prison, and there's like these huts there that are just super muscular. You know, they've got like they're just like ripped. Yeah, that's Gracchus um, and his crew. Yeah. Yeah, they've been, uh, they got the prison workout bodies. So they're not just all just these fat slugs that some of them are. They are just like all like like muscle. Yeah, that, that's great. That, that shows even inside the species there's diversity. Mm-hmm. And from a biological point of view, that makes total sense. Yeah, I buy it. And I like Gracchus. Um, he would walk around. He had like, because they're still slow, moving around on their own. He had like a platform that had like droid legs, like spider legs that would walk around for him. I, I love, I love that sort of innovation too. Anyway, I've talked a lot about huts. <laughs> okay, so Anakin, R two D two, and Ahsoka are still crossing the desert with a baby hut. Ahsoka asks Anakin about his past, and he says that he doesn't want to talk about it. She asks him if he wants to talk about the sand, and Anakin says the desert is merciless; it takes everything from you. Definitely a call back to the uh, the sand people murdering his mother yeah this is dark and broody anakin and i think i think they play it pretty well here like he's he's obviously hurting being here and he's sort of deflecting and shutting down rather than engaging ahsoka she has no reason no reason to assume or know why he feels the way he feels um and she's just doing that awkward thing where you're on a road trip with somebody and you're like you're like hey tell me about your parents no <laughs> okay what do you want to talk about <laughs> nothing back at zero's uh padme is being taken to a cell but she escapes and overhears that zero has helped dooku kidnap java's son she hears the whole plot dooku tells zero to kill padme as she is caught again uh, Dooku suggests Zero sell Padme to the Separatists. Yeah, this this whole sequence was hard to summarize because it, it wasn't it, the action makes it hard to tell what's going on. But basically, Zero tells Dooku a senator showed up asking questions, and Dooku's like, "Kill them!" And then Padme gets caught, and Dooku sees that's Padme, and he's like, "Oh, never mind, sell her." Mm-hmm. Like like there's a bounty on her head, um, so so go ahead and give her to the Separatists. Um, so Padme is in a lot of trouble, I guess. Yeah. All right. So uh, B1 Battle Droid reports to Dooku that there are life forms crossing the desert. It's getting dark, and Anakin and Ahsoka sense the dark side. Anakin tells Ahsoka that they have to split up. So, uh, Padme is thrown into a prison cell, and her comm goes off. The battle droids turn it on. She actually... She tricks the battle droids to turn it on, and C-3PO gets the distress call before the droids can turn off the comm. Now I pass it on to you. Yeah, the those droids are really stupid. Yeah, I, I've been trying to wrap my head around um, battle droids in general. Why do they talk? Why don't they just like communicate wirelessly? Why are they so incredibly dumb uh, or cowardly? Um, it's just it, they just just they just seem to like like whatever whatever the plot needs them to be that's what they are and, yeah they're definitely like the minions of this movie yeah like they're there for to move the plot along and for comic relief but they're wildly impractical in their design and their behavior it just yeah. sort of works only in the context of the movie or the show yeah, they, you they would never you would never make them that stupid. Yeah, the only thing I can think of is that that you you make them that stupid, and, but you just have like you have so many of them that they can just overwhelm, um, and you don't want them. They 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 don't um, they're not like connected via network. Like um, <clears throat> was it that they don't they didn't uh, connect them through a control ship anymore because of the events of uh, episode one, right? Right. So they used to control them all from one location, so they would be more wireless. Um, but then they they decentralized it because of the destruction of the, the control ship ended the battle of Naboo. 
Mm-hmm. That's too much of a tactical vulnerability. And so I do like this part of the show where you you better engineer a uh, sentient race of genocide bots. Yeah, and I can understand not having them networked because you don't want like a like a Terminator or a Battlestar Galactica sort of thing where they just they're all just talking back and forth and you don't know what's going on. You know, they're just, and eventually because uh, they think they can definitely learn and at one point one says that it got promoted. So so somehow they can like learn a little bit. So maybe like you want to keep them siloed. Like each droid's mind is its own. But it's fairly stupid. It can learn a little bit. It's like fuzzy. It's like its AI is fuzzy or something. Yeah. Maybe promoted just means that it was granted a, a software upgrade to like like a uh, like a junior NCO uh, you know upgrade because there, there definitely are like ones that are leaders and ones that aren't just like the clones. I always assumed that the like like Cody Rex. Uh, like the other, like um, kind of like the officers of the clone army, like, like had received um, special uh, leadership training, you know, um, in addition to the the combat training. Yeah, they went to OTS. Yeah. Um, but I, I like the idea of like a battle droid sitting sitting there and saying out loud, "We'll install upgrade in four hours." Yeah. <laughs> install at night yeah be plugged, in, be plugged into cable all right all right so the last last of the movie so anakin meets dooku in the desert he has the hutlet and the backpack on his back uh dooku uses force lightning and they fight um anakin blocks it uh dooku tells anakin that he's gotten better since they met in attack of the clones uh Dooku says he remembers that Anakin is from Tatooine, uh, trying to get, get under his skin psychologically. Anakin uses the Force to throw a sandstorm at Dooku, and Dooku does the same. I love this little sequence. Yeah. So, quick question. How does Dooku know that Anakin is from Tatooine? Was Dooku still a Jedi when Anakin joined? No, it's a good question. I don't remember in the book Jedi Lost when Dooku leaves the Order. If it's around, it's around that time though. Um, and presumably he's still talking with them because he's not evil mm-hmm. yet. And there is there's a significant time jump in between Episode One and Episode Two. Um, long enough for um, Padme to notice how much Anakin has grown from Jake Lloyd to Hayden Christensen. Um, so it's it's a long, long time, at least for a Star Wars jump. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's very possible. It's a good. It's a very good continuity question, though. Yeah, because because like, do we know like what planet Obi Wan is from, or Mace Windu, or or it? Um, there's a lot of Jedi who just are just there that you know, we only learn their backstory when it suits um suits the plot like dooku or um like quinlan voss or uh an alien uh, or a species where it's obvious that they are from what planet that they're from yeah but but you have to think uh, like anakin isn't just another jedi right he was older, plucked out of obscurity, and Qui-Gon Jinn died bringing him back. Um, was killed by a Sith, presumably. And so I think that would probably get some Harry Potter like rumors circulating about Anakin. Like Okay. Alright, I can I can I can buy that. that like like Dooku gets an email from one of his Jedi friends saying that like like Qui-Gon's dead, he like and they telling the whole story about it. Yeah, and that's that's another good point because they had a personal relationship. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, someone would probably clue in, clue in Dooku with the plot of Episode One. Mm-hmm. But that's a great continuity question. 
Um, during this fight in the sandstorm, uh, Dooku cuts through Anakin's backpack with, with like, amazing precision. Um, Dooku says he's killed the hut, and Anakin has failed. But Anakin's backpack is filled with rocks, and Ahsoka has the hutlet strapped to her back, and that's from when they split up. Mm-hmm. So Anakin is basically a huge decoy. Yeah, I, I like the the uh, when they showed the rocks cut in half, they had them glowing, um, like where the cuts happened. It's just little details like that. Um, I, I think it's just really cool. So whole, I, this, this whole sequence is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the rocks glowing and steaming, like smoking when he pours them out of his backpack. It made me think, like, could Dooku have killed Anakin in this moment? Because... He, he doesn't look like his arm is all the way extended when he swings. It looks like he's just trying to kill the hut. Mm-hmm. It's really it's really incredible. Like like what Dooku's motivation is here. He wants Anakin to be alive for some reason. Um, I just really think he could have killed him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so Dooku and Anakin continue to fight to fight. Um, Dooku does tell Anakin at this point that his subterfuge is. Um, pointless, and that he expected nothing less from a Jedi than to be a liar. It's just wonder, one of these wonderful, like, um, I'm not evil, you're evil, <laughs> sort of, like, tactics where, like, perpetrators of violence pretend to be the victims. Yeah. <laughs> What's that called? Divic or whatever? Yeah. Deflect. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 where, um, yeah, it's it happens and um, it's happening right now. Like uh, like uh, Marilyn Manson is suing like one of the victim, one of the, uh, his victims, saying that he's yeah. actually the victim. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, oh Christ. Yeah, you got to reverse the reverse it all, right? Mm-hmm. Um, deny and then attack your accuser. All right, so. He's telling, so Dooku says that his droids will kill the Hutlet and deliver Ahsoka to Jabba um, as the culprit of the murder. Um, Anakin is upset about this and he steals Dooku's speeder um, and rides off to rescue Ahsoka. Um, Ahsoka and R2 are off and they're attacked by these droids and she's these, I think called Mangan guards. Magna guards? Magna guards, maybe. Yeah. Um, and she's she's having a really hard time because these these are droids, especially trained by Dooku to fight Jedi. Um, she's R two gets damaged and she's having a hard time holding them off, and she looks like she can't hold on much longer. And the Hutlet is also not having a good time, um, screaming a lot. Back at Zero's, C three PO shows up to rescue Padme. Zero says Padme is too dangerous to be kept alive. Right then, a clone squadron enters the room, and Padme is rescued. Um, she takes Zero prisoner, and like I said, there will be there will be follow up with Zero in a future episode. Mm-hmm. Um, we get to see what prison conditions are like in the Republic. <laughs> uh, back on Tatooine, Ahsoka kills the droid, and right when she does this, Anakin flies by in the speeder. To get to Jabba's palace, he doesn't see her, and passes her right by. He goes inside um, after turning over his lightsaber because they won't let him enter with a weapon. Anakin is led into the chamber with Jabba, where he learns that Ahsoka is not there, and then Anakin threatens to kill Jabba, which is in with all the lies that Dooku's been saying. This is probably the stupidest thing for him to do. At yeah. This moment. Um. Outside, Ahsoka finishes off the droids and goes inside with the baby hut. Jabba is very happy to see the baby hut, Rhoda. And then he says the Jedi are to be executed immediately. Um, I love this little turn. Yeah. It's like the perfect... It's, it's the perfect... Um, uh, subverting expectations right? Because you're like, oh, they won. They mm-hmm. saved the day. They got the baby home. There's no way that Count Dooku's plan worked. Good yeah. job. 
heroes. And they just, like, kill them. Yeah, it's just like um, when uh, Leia gives the um, Leia gives the coordinates of the rebel base, and then um, Tarkin's just like, see, that wasn't so bad. And then he's like, you may continue when ready. And she's just like, what? Where is the rebel base? Dantooine. They're on Dantooine. There. You see, Lord Vader, she can be reasonable. Continue with the operation. You may fire when ready. What? You're far too trusty. Exactly. You can't trust. You can't trust them. Um, so then, uh, Padme appears in a hologram and tells Jabba thinks Zero is calling, but it's Padme, and she appears in a hologram and tells Jabba that Zero conspired with Dooku to kill Jabba's son and blame the Jedi. Zero comes on the hologram and roughly corroborates the story, although he's trying to deflect his own responsibility. Uh, Jabba says Zero will be dealt with by the Hutt clan, and Jabba agrees the Republic can use his shipping lanes. Um, Padme and Anakin flirt over the hologram. Yeah, he's uh, he does his best jizz whaling. Yeah, this is some this is some pretty pretty top notch jizz whaling. <laughs> Um, Jabba wants Dooku brought to justice for his crimes. A bunch of promises are made that cannot be fulfilled. Um, Dooku reports to Sidious that the Huts will allow the Republic to use Hut space. And then Yoda shows up for some reason. Um, the end. Yeah, with everybody just kind of standing there. And it's very, like, choreographed kind of end. Yeah, I don't, the whole, like, I, I, I know I write the notes, but that whole, like, and now Master Yoda's here, and it's like I felt it's it like the end of like the Muppet movie where you're like, oh, there's Big Bird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody shows up, right? The whole gang is here, right? Buy them all. <laughs> um, but that's the end of the movie, um, which we uh, we have, I don't think we described this on the show yet, but in our private discussions, is is roughly four or five episodes of the show like stitched together. Yeah. Yeah, you can um, you can definitely tell. Um, you might it might not be super noticeable if you didn't know that it was split up, but you can definitely tell based upon like if watching enough of the Clone Wars episodes, or just, or just really just any kind of like serial um, sort of show, like cartoons, I guess would probably do it the most. And I guess Clone Wars would be the... I forget it. If you've ever seen Clone Wars and you watch this and you know that this was just a bunch of episodes strung together, you can kind of tell when one starts, when one stops and another one finishes because a sort of lesson was kind of learned and then they kind of fade off into, some, into something else. Yeah, Clone Wars has a bunch of three episode arcs in it. And so we definitely sort of close out the Christophsis arc in the very beginning and then go on this sort of baby hut arc. And the baby hut arc is definitely at least three episodes. Um, but yeah, I think I think it sort of works. Well, what did you think about the movie overall, just as like a movie? As a movie, I like it. But A, I'm a Star Wars apologist. I, B, I know that it was just um, a, a few... Um, episodes stitched together and just like one big arc, but I could see why people didn't care for it. I I enjoy it. Sure. Can I can I tell you? I almost missed this era of Star Wars, but can I tell you when this movie was released in relation to the Clone Wars series? When would you have released it? Let's put it that way. I would have released it a little bit before the Clone Wars series came out. Right, as like a teaser, like here's a new animation thing coming, and here's some stories in the animation. You you already aren't telling them in order, right? And so dropping this one, which is actually relatively early in the order, it's like the third thing that happens in continuity order. You could totally get away with doing that. Do you know when they released it? Um, is a few years later, right? No, it's in the middle of season one. It's in between episode six and episode seven of season one, and so it's being Season the series is being released on Cartoon Network on pretty much a weekly basis at this point. 
Um, and it first launches uh, October 3rd, 2008. And then it goes, there's two episodes that day. Um, episode Season one, episode one and two. And then every week after that, there's episode three, episode four, episode five. And then this movie comes out on the 11th of November, which is three days before episode seven, which is, um, well, we haven't gotten there yet, but R2 gets lost and is picked up by a junker who's working for Grievous. And Ahsoka has like a traitorous droid called Goldie. Um, we're going to get there soon. Um, and that's when they chose to release it. There's no plan to this. It's just random. Yeah, it seems like it would just been better just to not do the movie. Yeah, just sprinkle these four episodes or five episodes into the series. But it's, I don't know. I, I honestly don't know what to, what to think about why this is a movie. It didn't succeed um, financially at the box office. It was largely considered a failure at the time. People didn't, the public didn't like it. We can talk about, we already talked sort of about the two big things people didn't like about it, and that was Ahsoka. People had never considered that Anakin could have a Padawan, and there was a ton of fan hate back then about Snips and Sky Guy and and that having like a tween girl in like a battle. Um, anyone that's even remotely familiar with the Star Wars community can understand yeah. um, how this could happen. Uh, when people now argue about the color of Vespas and how often someone spins or the shape of someone's head as it is this week. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is, this was the star Wars whining du jour, um, back then. Um, but I, I, I absolutely love sort of the clunky nature of the release. It doesn't make any sense. Um, to do it like early November. It's not even close to a holiday. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're like, we're going to do a Black Friday release. Um, so we're going to dump their kids at the movie theater while they stab each other for flat screen TVs in the Walmart yeah. parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just has no, no, nothing nothing to do with anything. It just feels really random. And there just isn't any, like, I guess we're so hungry for it now. Like, like we can't go a day without a new rumor about a Star Wars thing, and every every production is so meticulously timed out for marketing. Um, it is I sort of miss these weird old days of Lucas not giving a shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because you you would think that like, and the fact that it was able to go on for so long. That you would have th- thought with like the the movie tanking, they would have been like, yeah, no, we're pulling the plug on this. So here's here's a fun piece of trivia I came across in my research. How much did it cost per minute to animate the Clone Wars? Not counting any of the new stuff. Just like back in like two thousand eight, nine, ten, eleven. How much was Lucas paying? Um, per minute for the show. I have no idea. I'm gonna guess like a thousand dollars. It's a fifty thousand dollars a minute. Whoa! <laughs> That's the average that I found. Um, and I, I I found this a couple different sources, and I was like, that cannot be true. And. I started like doing my own calculations, and I was like, "No, actually, that probably is pretty fucking close. Fifty thousand dollars a minute. This show would not be made today." No. Holy, holy hell! Yeah, I'm. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. <laughs> That's a few million dollars an episode. Is what he was spending. Yeah. It eventually hit its stride, becoming because a lot of like crappy TV shows are always are picked up for, I won't say crappy, but just kind of mediocre shows. You know, will get picked up for like, um, like other seasons. Like, I can't think of like how many like, like 
just shows that are out there that, that all of a sudden you find out like, oh my god, they're like on their fifth season. I just remember that show coming out and it looked terrible. Yeah, I'm, I'm going through that right now with Killing Eve. I was like, oh shit, that show kept going. Yeah. But this is this is the the whole cost behind behind this includes like his investment in this technology and and all this other stuff that he had to do to like bring an animation studio online and everything. But it just goes to show you like this is really the era that I miss. I miss the era of George Lucas just being like, I'm gonna do what I want. I'm a billionaire. What are you gonna do about it? Nothing. Right? And I'm sure he made money on this. Of course he did. Um, and so it doesn't matter how much he, he spent because they ended up licensing all the technology that they come up with, right? It's almost like the product they produce is secondary to all of the licensing shit that they get for ILM and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but the, it's just incredible how much he spent on this. And it, it, you, you, you can see it. Like, dude, if, if there's nothing like it. Sorry. If, he, if he were, if, if Lucas were in and like, if he were in Brewster's Millions or in a Brewster's Million sort of situation where he has to spend, like, all his money, he could not go through. Uh, or he has to spend and, like, lose, like, all of his money. Like, he could not do it. He's just, like, um, so insanely wealthy that, like, he'd have to, like, buy an, buy, buy an island and then, like, drop a nuclear bomb on it or something. You know, yeah, be the size of Australia or something. Yeah. Like, but he, like the return on investment for all of this stuff was always positive too, right? Mm-hmm. So, like, imagine having so much money that you sell the rights to Star Wars to Disney for four billion dollars, and you turn around and donate four billion dollars. Yeah. That's the kind of wealth he has, and yeah, like there's there's no bottom to it, um, but this is. This is a perfect example of sort of his artistic largesse, I guess. I don't know how else to put it. Like, to spend this much money on this is more than a labor of love, right? It is It is like a belief. It is an article of his faith that this is not just a profitable thing, but it is the right thing to do with mm-hmm. his money. And I'll, I'll have nothing but respect for him for sort of that stick to itiveness. Yeah, he like his he writes clunky dialogue and he has like good he has good ideas. Um to some his execution is sometimes a little off and he needs somebody to kind of rein him in the creativity wise, but as far as like like a lot of like the business decisions he's made just been spot on. You can't yeah, can't argue with it. He's a genius and um I'll hail the creator. I'll stop worshiping Lucas now. Um, I don't have a whole lot of notes here. We covered most everything that I wanted to cover in um, the wrap up. I do want to, I do want to sort of give us a task of seeing when the Twilight shows up again. Okay. So try to help me remember that when the Twilight, because the Twilight crashes in the desert. Um. And presumably get stripped by those rats, the Jawas. Racist against who? Um, but you said it shows up in other episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, so I want to see when, when it shows up. Okay. I'll definitely do that. Do you have any notes? Uh, to talk about? No. But there is something I wanted to mention that we didn't mention last time. Is that um, there is a scene where uh, Ahsoka is uh, kind of like bonding with the clones, talking about how she and Anakin um, destroyed the shield generator. Right. And behind her is a. Um, she, they're, they're they're right by the front of a a dropship, and behind her is uh, a blue Twilight pinup girl painted. On the on the uh, the front of the dropship, she's wearing just kind of like clone armor, um, nice. and it's just very much just like the World War Two, sort of where they'd have like the the pinup girl on the side of the bomber. Right. I thought that was just a very I thought that was a 
great touch. Yeah, I think that's that's once again Lucas leaking through, right? He he wrote, I mean, coming from that era, right? He wrote about World War Two and and things like that, and and like that that aesthetic, like those fifties, forties, and fifties cars and things. But some of those some of those dropships have the teeth on them too, mm-hmm. right? We saw that in the Tartavoski Clone Wars, where the front was painted up like a like a warthog, like the, the A10, A-10 tank killing warthog. Like they, they sometimes they draw teeth on those, right? Yeah. Um, I love I love little details like that, little snippets um, to show that. Was there one that had Padme on it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't. That's some. It's ringing in my ears. I'm gonna look it up. Oh yeah, it is. That's right. It was it was originally on the Havoc Marauder, um, the Bad Batch ship, and it was removed um, prior to airing. I'll, sh- I'll send you a just look at the chat. Yeah, there's. Um, I was just looking at one, and this looks like it's from. Um, uh, there's. It's actually in Rebels. Um, I'll send you a picture. So there's Pat. So there's the Padme art. Um, on the what was that called? Relics of the Old Republic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I knew I knew it existed. Yeah, and there's a there's a ton of them. Oh boy, that's not a good one. That's something somebody just made. Yeah, don't be clicking around on the internet. <laughs> it's a yeah, it's a naked Ahsoka writing a bomb, uh, Doctor Strange style. Yeah, that's not. Let's not encourage people to do this. There's a couple that are there are a couple that are in canon, um, but yeah, it's a callback to to those sorts of. There's one with like a salacious crumb. They made a toy out of that one, so I know that one's real. Um, oh my god! You gotta stop. <laughs> no more jizz wailing. Yeah, this is. A Gregor pinup. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a good place to stop. Yeah. Um, can I roll my die? <laughs> well, I don't know. Can you? Yeah. All right. Go if for we're it. done with if we're done with the notes, we're gonna we're gonna proceed with our little ritual at the end of every recording. Um, I throw a d20 and I film it. We can put it on our Twitter feed. And if it comes up a one, our next episode we will review is an Ewoks episode from the 1985-1986 series. If it's any other number, we will review the next episode in the in-canon, the in-universe chronological order, which is actually Season 3, Episode 1, Clone Cadets, where we get to go to Camino. Yeah. Oh, that's a great episode. It's a good episode, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to record here. You ready? Yep. All right, here it comes. I rolled a 12. All right. Clone Cadets, Clone Cadets it, is. it is. There we go. All right. Do you want to take us out? Oh, cool. we have to do the ranking, don't we? Yes. We forgot the ranking. Okay. That's why we need, that's why we need a good outline for this show. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. Let's do the ranking. Okay. So now's the time in our podcast where we rank an episode, or in this case, the movie. Uh, our ranking system is based upon a Star Wars character. So a great episode would be an original trilogy character such as Han, Luke, Leia, Vader, Chewie, etc. A really bad uh, episode, we could give something like uh, Joe Yauza, who is the singer in um, the, the uh, in Jabba's Palace. He's the Yuzum, uh, CG, the CGI Yuzum. <sighs> so Matt, what do you give the Clone Wars movie. Well, as I stated, I really like it, and I like it for reasons that people dislike it. Um, I like, and I like how careless he was with with the marketing for it, um, and how it didn't matter that it didn't make money. Um, I'm really tempted to give it a high, high ranking, um, but I think I'm going to give it a zero because people can take it. Take it or leave it, um, but for me, it is this really unique P 
piece in this really complicated tapestry and there's so much to love here um even if it makes you even if it's not the kind of star wars for you right there's so much here um so zero the hut for me how about you okay um yeah i was i was thinking about zero at first um but i think i'll go with a um i think i'll go with a commander cody because i do love me some clones and um it, it was you know very interesting cody's kind of an interesting character but he gets kind of written off for the most part he's he's not uh he's not as a big deal as like rex is when i say big deal i just mean like a major character you know like you, you get to learn more you learn more about rex stuff than you do about cody um so like in sorry go ahead sorry, you're not gonna believe me but um the two i was waffling between was zero and cody oh so okay. i chose zero you chose cody so okay. we got it covered okay cool all right well um so that's the episode be sure to uh tell a friend about the episode um we don't uh, really advertise or do anything, so word of mouth is really how uh, we get listeners. And be sure to rate us on uh, whatever your podcast aggregator is, and give us a high score for that. Re- no, give us a high score because that um, it, it matters for whatever reason. And then, if you didn't like the show, tell somebody you don't like about the show and make them listen to it. Because hey, fuck them. So, we'll be back next week with the next episode in the Clone Wars plot order, Clone Cadets. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochvaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We'll see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Dun, 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 dun,